Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Maybe to those who possess it, ambition is an instinct as natural and unconscious as any other, the same kind of winnowing characteristic that led one ancient organism to crawl out of the water while another stayed behind, awaiting extinction. Ed Tarkington, The Fortunate Ones. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Before we get started today, one of our main goals for 2022 is to grow the show to 10,000 listeners. That is really hard for me to say out loud, but that's the goal. Right now, we are a community of about 7,000, which is truly amazing to me. The best way to grow this show is to have all of you lovely listeners leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Super easy and a great way to spread the love about From the Front Porch and the bookshelf. This week on From the Front Porch, we're talking books and basketball. That's right. I can hardly believe it, but it is time for our annual March Madness episode. I'm joined for this annual tradition by my husband and friend, Jordan Jones. Welcome back to the show, Jordan. Very glad to be here. It feels like we did this about two months ago. I can't decide if it feels like two months ago or two years ago. Mm, Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, it feels like a little bit of both. So for new listeners, and there might be some since you were last on the show because you really only come on the show annually. Yeah. (laughs) So let's tell people why we do this. I guess about um, 18 or 19 years ago or so, um, we started filling out March Madness brackets when we were in college and competing against each other. And the bet was is that whoever had the better bracket got to watch the other one um, eat only fruits and vegetables and drink water for one day or two days. Two days. Um, and then eventually, it, you know, the the bet changed over time, but uh, it's something that we've been doing ever since. The bet is now money. The bet is now money. <laughs> we it grew is up. fun money. We grew up, and the bet is now money. And but the. But our mark, but our March Madness bracket challenge is still called That's right. Eat Your Vegetables. Still called Eat Your Vegetables, and we put the brackets on the wall in the living room. I still have a couple of friends from college that do it with us, and we put their brackets on the walls. And we have friends elsewhere, and they do it, and it's it's a fun time of the year. And we do it at the bookshelf. All of the yep, staff fills right. out brackets. That's right. So it's really fun. We have a history of doing this as a couple. My family had a history of doing this growing up. My dad was a huge college basketball fan. He had some history with the FSU basketball team in the 70s. And so it's something my family has always paid attention to. And then it was really fun to bring that tradition into college with my friends, with Jordan, and now it is part of our marriage. And so we record this episode, unless you think it's all basketball heavy, this episode is really book heavy, but we kind of debate the bookshelf's bestsellers and kind of argue our way through them until one champion book remains. And so Olivia, our retail floor manager at the bookshelf, graciously every year compiles a list of the top 16 bestsellers. She did the bestsellers of 2020. So these are books, I mean, (laughs) time. Mm. (laughs) Whoops. Uh, (laughs) These are the bestsellers of 2021. 
that we are going to debate here today. So she picked the 2021 bestsellers, top 16. She also seeded them. So mm. she is the equivalent of the selection, selection committee. committee. And she has seeded these. She did an excellent job. I know exactly her logic really behind each of these seedings. So she seeded these books. We literally have a bracket that we're looking at that we are going to debate our way through. 16 narrowed down to one book. You want to know a bookstore that's doing something very fun with this, and I'm jealous they thought of it okay. first. Books Are Magic, which is that bookstore yeah. in New York. Right. They're doing a merch madness. Oh. And they're pitting all of their like old t-shirt designs and stuff against each other. Oh, and nice. then the top one that wins, they'll reprint. Oh, that's good. Oh, I that's thought good. that was so cute. That's kind of like how Mountain Dew lets you vote. And then yes. the thing that wins gets oh, I to thought be it was the forever such a good idea. Yeah. I thought it was such a good idea. I'm so yeah. jealous. So go go vote in Books Are Magic's um, Merch Madness. I thought that was so clever. Um, so this is our version of March Madness. We're glad you're here. Are you ready to debate these 16 I'm books? I'm ready to debate these 16 books. I think we should also say, as much as I love and adore you, you are not really on this podcast because you are an avid reader. Well, that is a low blow, but also correct. <laughs> so we like to say that law school ruined Jordan's reading life. Jordan that's is fair. still an avid audiobook listener. Yes. I think that is certainly fair to say. Yeah, that's fair. He listens to a lot of audiobooks, but they are not often the bookshelf bestsellers. Right. So how we did this last year and how we're going to do this this year is I am going to present the two books. I'm going to kind of tell you what each of them is about. And then Jordan is going to kind of pick which one moves forward. And if I take issue with it, yes. I will. Under Annie's guiding hand, I'm going to I'm going to try to exercise some agency and if I make the wrong decision, <laughs> she'll kind of she'll kind of help me quietly realize that wasn't the right choice and then steer me to the correct choice. <laughs> Sometimes I'll let you win. Sometimes you'll let me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I know a little bit more about the basketball than I, well, quite a quite a lot more than I do about the books. So if you're out there listening, thinking that you don't even know what the basketball deal is, like, is this basketball? Is it football? Is it soccer? That's kind of how I am with the books. Keela, Keela is one of our booksellers, and I was explaining, like, how the brackets worked, and she did it last year. But she presented me with a very good question. I mean, it was wrongly worded, but it was a good question, which was, why do we not do a WNBA bracket? Mm. And I said, well, unfortunately, I think you mean, mean women's collegiate basketball bracket. <laughs> And that is absolutely fair. And I said it's because of the patriarchy. However, uh, the WNBA is a totally different thing. <laughs> that is a good answer. I, I think my favorite bookshelf lore, you know, piece of lore that you ever told is when uh, you explained this to Olivia one year and she said, how is that fair that the one seed plays the 16 seed? And you said, well, you know, it's a reward for the for the good teams. Well, I don't think that's fair. And so, you know, we, we Olivia and I have had follow-up conversations on that. But this, this always is a good conversation starter. You know, it's really, I will say, because most of our staff, not all, because Nancy, Nancy knows what she's doing, most of the staff, we just do this for fun. I certainly am competitive about it because of our competition that we do with each other and with our friends. But for the staff, it is something they really do genuinely look forward to. Like, Keela was reminiscing that, that that's when she started last year, and it was, like, the first thing she got to do as a new bookseller. Laura, <laughs> Laura, it, who good. does our shelf subscriptions, she's our shelf subscription coordinator, she is notoriously terrible at March Madness, and I just have this indelible memory of 
her she came in last mm-hmm. last year oh i saw the video and, and there was it, a yeah. video of like caroline hugging laura and comforting her in her loss and breaking the news right yes. breaking the news that her bracket was had burst <laughs> and like i don't even know if the tournament had even started yet that's how bad it was it was so funny we just have a really good time together it, yeah. it's a the bookshelf is a fun crew but i will also say it is a serious crew like these are people who really take their jobs very seriously and i'm so grateful for that this institutes an element of fun at the mm. bookshelf that is outside of books so Books are fun, and we love books, but incorporating this thing that really nobody cares that much about, like nobody on staff really loves basketball or anything, except for me and maybe Nancy. And so it's very fun to just have this kind of neutral Mm. thing that we all of a sudden care about for about a month. Right. And it has really, it's really become a lovely tradition at the bookshelf. So hence this episode, that is the primordial ooze from which this podcast episode was wow, built. Wow, yeah, great. I'm yeah, to think about that. I'm, I'm fairly certain that's a line from Gilmore Girls or, oh, okay. or something. Right, I don't good. think I made it up. Okay, so, no, wow. don't give me credit. Um, okay, so I'm going to present the 16 books. Okay, you can find these in your show notes if you're listening at home. You don't have to like write them down or anything. So the 16 books, and I'm going to I'm going to name them by pairs. These are the seeds in which okay. they are competing. So first up, we have Brood. Versus Crying in H Mart. Okay. Five Tuesdays in Winter versus These Precious Days. The Hill We Climb versus I Hope This Finds You Well. Palm Beach versus The Paper Palace. Finlay Donovan is Killing It versus Who is Maud Dixon. We Run the Tides versus Revival Season. Beautiful World, Where Are You versus The Fortunate Ones. Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. Versus what kind of woman? So these are 16 seeds. Olivia has seeded them. I I mm-hmm. can absolutely see her logic here. It's very fun. It's always a surprise to me how she seeds them. But these were the 16 best-selling books, I think, of 2021. And now she's seeded them and put them in order. So are you ready to start? I'm ready to start. Okay. So first up, we have Brood by Jackie Polzin versus Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. You want me to tell you about them? I want you to tell me about them. Okay. Brood, you will remember me reading, I'm pretty sure, because this was a best-selling book of 2021, but I actually read it in 2020. I sat in this chair, <laughs> in this great chair, and wept at the end. Okay. It was a book about— It doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> it was a book about an unnamed narrator who could not have children. And she decided to—only we don't really fully know that she can't have children, um, but she struggles with her fertility. And she decides to take care of some chickens. Oh, I remember this. I knew knew you would because I talked to you about it. So so anyway, this woman winds up caring for these chickens, and you as the reader become very invested in the survival of these five chickens, this brood of chickens. Um, It is an incredibly well-written book. It was a debut novel. And it is being pitted against Crying in H Mart, which was a debut memoir. So this is nonfiction memoir written by Michelle Zahner. I learned while reading the book that Michelle is a musician, and um, she she plays in a band. And this book is about the loss and the grief, grief over losing her mother. And it's about her kind of very complicated, interesting relationship with her mom. But it's also a lot the, – the, title comes from um, a title essay that she wrote, I believe, gosh, I want to say it's from The Atlantic or The New Yorker, where she wrote about being in an H-Mart in a, mm-hmm. I believe, Korean I grocery this. store. Yeah. And she's standing in the grocery store and she begins to weep because the smells uh, remind her of her mother's cooking. 
And so the book is a lot about grief. It's also just a lot about um, Michelle being an immigrant, a child of immigrants, and feeling this pull of an American identity versus Mm -hmm. the identity of her family's homeland. And it is gorgeous food writing. So I can see why Olivia kind of pit these against one another because these are books where at first glance you think they're about one thing oh, and then underneath they're about other things. Interesting. Um, and they're also debuts, debut writers, which is unbelievable to me given both of these works. I loved both of these books. They were both shelf subscriptions of mine in 2021. Do you enjoy a book where you think it's going to be one thing when you first start and then it's a switch, it's like a switcheroo, but then it's a good switcheroo? Um, I don't know. That I felt like this was a switcheroo because, like, you always knew this is about more. This is about more. I love books where they're about more. Layers. 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 I love, yes. So I've got a question about the seeding here. Is this, like, 1 versus 16, or is this just Olivia putting the two best books together and kind of— I think it is Olivia not putting the two best books together. Like, I— I couldn't tell you anymore. Our staff meeting about 2021 was so long ago. I forget what our best-selling title— of the year was. Okay. But I think what she has done is paired these by themes like and by books. and by matchups. Got it. Got it. Okay. So it's not sense. one versus sixteen, it but it's also not one versus two. Gotcha. She's trying to narrow the field down each game to where like if books are similar, one of them wins and moves. That's on. right. Got it. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Do you have a winner for this round? Um or for this game. Ooh, well, I remember you talking about both of these books. Um, and, and I know what Crying in H Mart looks like because I've seen it on the mm-hmm. shelf so much. Uh, but I, I want to say from how much you talked about them, you liked Brood more. That seemed like kind of a funny, interesting way to present something that's otherwise sad. Yeah. Like, I'm going to take care of chickens. <laughs> yeah. It was <laughs> it was really it was really profound and, yeah. and quite beautiful. I, yeah. I loved both of these books a lot. But it doesn't surprise me that Brood sticks out in your memory. What is interesting about these two reading situations, not that anybody needs to know this, but Brood was one of those books that I finished in one or two sittings. I might have finished it in one sitting, sitting in this chair. (laughs) Um, But Crying in H Mart, I had to read over a span of months. Because it was not because I didn't like it. I loved it. But we were, at the time— and still, I guess, to some extent, living through a period of grief, like mm. as a country, as a people, yep. as, a, as a family. And so it just was hard to read in parts. Um, and so this Crying in H-Mart was equally profound and equally beautiful, but it did take me longer just through Sheer's, I think, familiarity with the subject matter almost. Gotcha. Now, I would have a tendency then to advance brood because when you read a book in a in one sitting, it's... That's true. It's a big deal. Okay, so Brood moves on. All right, Brood moves on. Brood wins that game. Okay, next up, we have Five Tuesdays in Winter, which is a short story collection by Lily King, and These Precious Days, which is an essay collection by Ann Patchett. These books, I, again, I see exactly why Olivia paired them together. I actually think they have quite similar covers as well. Five Tuesdays in Winter was one of my favorite books I read in 2021 because I don't often come across a short story collection that I love so much um, because short stories are, I think, a really difficult art form for some reason. And anyway, I like consuming them, but only when they're really well done. And I thought this was really well done. I like Lily King. She's a prolific writer. And I really loved especially the title story from this short story collection. These Precious Days is written by equally prolific writer Anne Patchett. She is the owner, as you know, of Parnassus Books. Mm -hmm. And this was her essay collection. The title comes from an essay 
that she wrote during the pandemic that was published in Harper's Magazine about a woman she befriended who was who happened to be Tom Hanks's assistant and the woman suffered with and struggled through cancer and so mm. the essay was just about these precious days kind of mm. um, as Anne befriended and took care of and just had this beautiful relationship with this woman I love both of these. I am on the record as saying I adore Anne Patchett's fiction, particularly Commonwealth and The Dutch House, but I prefer Anne Patchett's nonfiction. Mm. And I don't know if that's a popular or an unpopular opinion, but I really love her nonfiction. I find myself rereading parts of her nonfiction essay collections, and I find myself really seen in her essays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could just be because she lives in the South. She owns a bookstore. She doesn't have children. Um, so there are definitely some similarities there, but she's also very different from me. Yeah. And I love that too. Mm. Um, so anyway, I really loved both of these books. It's a short story collection versus an essay collection. My first impulse when you were describing these precious days was uh, When Breath Becomes Air. Oh, yeah. There are definitely similar? some similarities, yeah. especially in that title story, for sure. And again, th- there was something about essays reading them. I read this. Here's something unique about this book. I did not read These Precious Days as an advanced reader copy. I did not receive an advanced reader copy. I bought this book and brought it home. Oh, So I own the hardback of this book and I read it in the bathtub. I always have very distinct memories of where- This is very luxurious. You bought the hardback book and read it in the bathtub. Yes. What a life. Yeah. um, Eating bonbons. And so I read this book and found myself weeping because um, some of it was very- timely pandemic related and some of it wound up being timely despite it had nothing to do with Mm. the pandemic um but i just found something really comforting about essays um and hers was not the only essay collection i found comforting but hers was probably the one i found most comforting in 2021 you should do a podcast episode about how the pandemic shapes your reading mood i believe we did you know what? I knew when I said that there was a, there was a possibility. I believe, sir, you did that we did like yesterday. Okay, not right. yesterday, but we did. Right. I believe we did it either during 2020 or yeah. during 2021 because it totally did yeah. change my reading life and my reading yeah. mood. The for lens. Sure. What's it going to be? Well, the way that Olivia has seated these, they're very. She did that on uh, purpose. She wanted you to struggle. Yeah, 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 yeah. But see, I should be able to turn on the TV and know that the two seeds are going to win. Here's what you need to know. We didn't have 32 of these. That's fair. Right? And that's so fair. we had to start at the next round, essentially. All right. All right. So that's what you well, need I'm, to get I'm, over. Well, I'm, here's what I'm leaning towards okay. is these precious days. That's the correct answer. All right, good. See, I knew there was a correct answer. Okay. Next up, The Hill We Climb by Amanda Gorman. You will recognize Amanda Gorman as the inaugural poet. Um, yes. She presented this poem at the inauguration in 2021. Was that only 2021? <laughs> My gosh. Wait. Mm. When was it? When was it? 2020. The inauguration. Oh, 2021. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the pandemic really throws. What is yeah. time? Okay. And then I feel I'm like. I'm supposed to understand the Constitution. I say mm-hmm. time. I say what is the what is time all the time now. It's. I'm irritated at myself. Mm. Um, okay, mm-hmm. versus, so The Hill We Climb by Amanda Gorman versus I Hope This Finds You Well by Kate Bear. Now, this is kind of unusual because Kate Bear has two books on this list, which mm. is very unique. 
And it's because she had a poetry collection come out in 2020 called What Kind of Woman that continued to be a bestseller for us throughout 2020 Mm -hmm. and 2021. And then she released a follow-up poetry collection called I Hope This Finds You Well that released in 2021. So she is here twice. Her, I don't know... I don't know what that would look like in basketball uh, because basketball, it would be like maybe the male and female teams getting to play Mm, in the tournament. Um, But basically, she's got two books in this this bracket. The Hill We Climb, the moment that Amanda Gorman presented that poem, I think the next day, one of our major publishers announced, Mm. one of the major publishers announced that she had a book coming out that was going to just be this poem and a couple of others. And that collection, like, immediately drew – we had so many special orders the next day for that book. And it's it's kind of a little giftable book. And that poem is beautiful. I went back and reread it today, actually, in preparation mm. for the podcast. And it it still resonates. Um, and she is just a, an amazingly talented young woman. I Hope This Finds You Well is the second collection of poetry by Kate Bear. I began following Kate on Instagram, actually – I think I read her blog years ago. So I've been following her for a very long time. And it's been really wonderful to watch her career and watch her writing career grow. This collection of poems you will be familiar with because it is erasure poetry. So she takes the DMs or the oh, emails. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And she erases, she blacks out um, certain things until she creates art out of out of rage. Yeah, that's that's really cool. You've shown me some of those before. Yes. So that is that's Kate Bear. Yeah. I'm definitely not an expert on poetry, but I do I do love me some John Donne and some William Shakespeare stuff. Um, that's from a specific period in time. But I think both of those selections here are interesting. The one because of the platform, you know, from which it, it came. Yes. You know, during the inauguration. We needed it. Um, she was a great reminder that we need poets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think... American, I don't know. I'm going to be a stereotype. I'm going to talk about stereotypes here. But like Americans, I think stereotypically are so practical. Mm. And we forget, I think, how much we need art. Agreed. And I think poetry is something a lot of us don't always understand very well. And so we kind of turn our nose at it. And I think many non-readers and even readers are kind of like overwhelmed and Mm -hmm. intimidated by poetry. Mm -hmm. And I like that Amanda Gorman in her performance that day Everybody could tell. Everyone watching knew this is something special. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Whether you, whether you're a poet poetry reader or not. Yeah. I think there's also something about poetry in the United States. Um, and maybe it's just in the South or the Midwest where, you know, men don't read a lot of poetry. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I think it's seen as not being masculine, but it is, mm-hmm. you know, historically uh, it is. And then I was going to say, I hope this finds you well, just the creativity of how how that's written baffles me. Mm-hmm. Every time you show me one, my jaw drops. Yeah. Um, so that that's hard. I, I don't know. I, I need you to nudge me. Mm, it, well, it's very it's hard for me to. So here's the thing. I will tell you, and you can keep this in mind as we continue, my favorite collection of Kate Bears so far is What Kind of Woman, which was her first collection. I love the originality mm. and the creativity and the concept of turning anger into something beautiful, mm-hmm. anger into art. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, but there was something so, I don't know, so something so powerful about her first, her debut collection. Yeah. Um, that I'm inclined to move forward the hill we climb here. Yeah. I, I wondered if that would 
factor in. I mean, it's almost like, you know, in intramurals, um, you know, you were an intramural uh, basketball star. Oh, thank you. You know how Phi Lambda had like an A team and a B team? But they were both Phi Lambda. Yes. The, and so if the A team and the B team met, it would yes. be like, wow, we're so good that our B team beats everyone else's A team. Like, right. that's what it would be. So I think I think uh, putting the hill we climb forth is, is probably And, I, and I like it because I feel like it's representative of the year. I agree with that. So I like, I that. I like that. Okay. Next up, Palm Beach by Mary Atkins versus The Paper Palace by Miranda Cowley Heller. So is this in any way related to Paper Towns? It is not, but look at you. <laughs> but isn't that funny? Because I thought like Paper Location, That's right? true. That could be the title of your book. Paper, paper Tiger. Paper yeah. Location. Yeah, paper Location. Um, okay, so Palm Beach was a book I read in the spring of last year, I believe. I really love this book. It is more commercial fiction. I think I think it could have really commercial appeal. And so does The Paper Palace. We'll talk about that one in a second. But Palm Beach, I remember talking to you about because it's about a couple who move from Manhattan to Palm Beach, Florida, fiction. And they move because her husband has lost his job. He works as an actor, I believe, because he's lost his voice. And so he no longer really has a way to earn a living. And so while he waits for his voice to kind of recuperate, they move to Palm Beach and he becomes the house manager for an exceedingly wealthy person living in Palm Beach. And meanwhile, she is a writer for, I think she's a freelancer, but she writes a lot about wealth disparity. Mm. And here they are really benefiting from this wealthy mm. man. And in fact, as the book progresses, their child has some health issues and they have every opportunity to help improve their child's health because of their access to mm. wealth. And she constantly kind of feels guilty about it because of her own writings about wealth disparity. Anyway, I found it Very to be really fascinating. It sounds like a book that would resonate with you. My book club read it as well, and I thought it was a lovely book club conversation. It would make a great book club book just because there's a lot to unpack, while at the same time just being really compelling kind of commercial fiction. Yeah. Really liked it. Okay, and then The Paper Palace was a book I adored last year, but it is not it is not for everyone. So I just talked to a customer recently about this, a podcast listener actually. And The Paper Palace is at first glance, quite frankly, a book about an affair. Like the book opens where these two couples are vacationing, I want to say off the coast of Massachusetts or Maine. It's in the Northeast somewhere. I love the setting so much. And they have always vacationed together. And the husband from one cabin meets up with the wife, who is the main character of the other cabin, and they have um, an illicit <laughs> romantic encounter in the woods. And then the book, what the book does from that point is this goes into this woman's point of point of view and state of mind and tries to figure out why she did that, mm. what made her act. And so the book kind of goes back and forth in time over the next few days while she decides if she's going to stay married to her husband or if she's going to end her marriage. Mm. The reason I say this book is not for everyone is because I know books about infidelity are not for everyone. Mm -hmm. And at its root, this book is, at first glance anyway, about infidelity. But much like Brood, I think it's about more than that. And it really becomes a book about the after effects of trauma. Mm. And mm. the book it is all about why this woman has made the decisions that she makes. And there is twist and turn after twist and turn just because of how much 
this character has endured or experienced. These, I don't know if Olivia knows this um, because she has not read either of these, but she did a great job pairing these because these are both books with complicated female protagonists. They are not, not every reader is going to like these women. Not every reader is going to like these books. Um, in fact, not everybody in my book club liked Palm Beach and not everybody, uh, the Paper Palace was one of my shelf subscriptions. Not every customer liked liked the Paper Palace, but um, the Paper Palace was very, very popular. I think it was a Reese Witherspoon pick. So those are Palm Beach and the Paper Palace. Okay, very interesting. So when you read the Paper Palace, so it starts off with this bad act, but then once you get inside her brain, does do you become more sympathetic towards her or do, or do you like her less? Does it like mitigate? I mean, like I certainly did uh, have more empathy for her. Yeah. Also, I am notoriously a reader who does not need my characters to be likable. So Right. Oh, of course. I don't You need, almost prefer them unlikable. Yeah. yeah like, it's more real. I just don't need, I, you can be messy. You can be messy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you, I, both of those is interesting to me. I, I like the idea of, of seeing someone doing something wrong that is not really excusable, but then getting a view on the rationale. And then some, sometimes that will mitigate or, or aggravate the culpability. Yeah. I guess I'm talking like a, like a lawyer or something, but like, <laughs> like what, what caused them to think through it? It won't necessarily excuse it, but it might make you at least sympathize and say, Ooh, I'm not far from, doing something bad either. I have right. done bad things. Right. You know? Oh, I love learning about people's motivations. Yeah. So I kind of am, am inclined to advance that, notwithstanding the fact that Palm Beach was a life-changing experience when we went. <laughs> just driving through the... Yeah, just <laughs> driving through. Because just we, driving through the, all the houses we couldn't see. We drove through a lot of wealthy parts of Florida, but then we got to Palm Beach and it was like, its wealth had wealth. Yeah. You know, it's like, its muscles so had muscles. Yeah, it was very interesting, very... It's like culture shock. Um, so the, is that the correct one? To I think advance? the Paper Palace is the right. correct one to advance. Right. Although I do think Palm Beach was an unsung book of 2021. Next up, Finley Donovan is killing it versus Who is Maud Dixon? Finley Donovan is Killing It is written by El Casamano. It was actually the start of a series. This is another book that I did not read as an ARC, but I read when it came out. So it kind of is a fond reading memory for me. I read it at the beach. Um, this book is a super good time, super fun time. And it's the only time I've, in recent memory, that I've ever been compelled or interested in reading the sequel or the follow-up book. Oh. So in this book, Finley Donovan is a single mom trying to raise her kid, and she is a mystery writer. And she meets with her editor at, like, a Panera Bread, and someone overhears her describing her the premise of her mystery suspense book and mistakes her for a hit woman. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, like, I like that. And so the premise is super original. I think you told me about it. Because that. then Finlay has basically a piece of paper with a hit on it. And she has to decide, and it's a lot of money, and her publishing contract is tenuous at best. And so she really does have a moment of, should I do this hit? But of course she doesn't. And yet does she? Because she is another messy character who can't mm. quite <laughs> figure out. She's almost an, she's an accidental hit woman is what she is. And nice. this book is just a rollicking good time. Okay. Okay, on the other hand is Who is Maud Dixon, which is a book—by the way, these are both books Olivia read and recommended to me. 
Who is Maude Dixon is one she and I read, I believe, at the start of last year. And we love this book. Again, I kind of think it was an unsung book of 2021. Um, this is about a young woman who works in publishing, and she gets a job as the assistant to a writer whose real name is not known. So I kind of pictured um, like the woman who wrote My Brilliant Friend. So a woman who is famous in pen name only. And hence the title, Who is Maud Dixon? We don't know who Maud Dixon is. And so this young assistant goes to work for, for Maud, and then maybe Maud dies. We don't know. Something maybe happens. The assistant is kind of at the heart of it. Chaos ensues. It's far more serious than Finlay Donovan, um, but the similarities are certainly there. These are both these are both big page turners. You're gotcha. not going to start these and want to put them down. Um, very enjoyable suspense books. Gotcha. Well, I'm inclined to advance Finlay Donovan just because that's a funny. The reaction thing. on your face. I wish I had been recording. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I mean, in college we we played like Hitman or whatever, where like everybody bought a Nerf gun and you had like you had like somebody's name. I think name. it's called Mafia. Mafia. Some people call it Hitman, oh, but do you know they? what it was? Mafia. I think it was That's called right. Mafia. That's right. I feel like that. Um, I feel like. Um, I feel like there's a TV show where the characters played Mafia. Yeah, know, New Girl. Yeah. I don't remember. And the fact that like you could be an accidental. I just I, love I like the, misunderstanding. I was about to say I think those are. Funny. I just thought the premise. I remember when Olivia told me about this book. I just remember thinking that the premise was so funny that a writer could be in a Panera Bread talking about her edit, talking to her editor about like this murder mystery right. she's writing, and somebody overhears it and thinks, "Oh, she kills people yeah. for a living." Like yeah. I think that is very funny. It's kind of like sounds like a plot line from I Love Lucy. Yes, you know, I love I Love Lucy, and like. And like half of those Honestly, episodes have to do with the wives mishearing their husbands or the husbands mishearing their wives. And yes. it's like, what? Who did I marry? Finley and Lucy have a lot in common. And honestly, okay, there cool. are ways. I know this book is primarily being targeted to women. There are ways in which you would really enjoy this book. Okay. All right. I'll take that under advisement. Okay. So Finley Donovan is killing it, is moving forward. All right. We got to pick up speed here right. a little bit. Next up. Happens. It does always happen. Yeah. We Run the Tides versus Revival Season. We Run the Tides by Vindala Vida was my January shelf subscription in 2021. It is about um, young women in California, I believe in the 80s, early 90s. One of the friends, one of the young women goes missing and her friend doesn't know what to do. But this is not a thriller suspense book. This is really... It reminds me of a book called The Gunners by Rebecca Kaufman. This is really a book about friendships and coming of age. It's not really about the kidnapping. So if you're if you're getting caught up in um, the kidnapping because of the mystery or suspense element, this book is not that. This is yeah. not an Olivia book. This is more of an Annie book um, about growing up in California and this this kind of complicated friendship and complicated girl friendships. Gotcha. Okay, then Revival Season is also about, this is by Monica West. This is also about a young woman, but in a very different location, really more in the South and the Midwest, um, about a young black girl whose dad is a revival preacher. Mm -hmm. And it is set in the modern era, so it's set like in, in today, uh, where she travels with her parents, and they do these tent revival meetings, and she witnesses her dad not— do the healing he has said he has mm -hmm. done. And so she, from that point forward, she is grappling then with issues of faith and mm -hmm. belief and with and also with whether or not she can trust her family. Um, so I, Olivia, I'm sure pitted these against one another because the protagonists in these books are younger, even though these are adult books. These are young mm -hmm. 
young characters kind of coming of age and figuring out who they are. And um, there are like inciting incidents mm. in each of these books. So a kidnapping and then this this girl witnessing her father um, perhaps not do what he says he's capable of doing. I loved both of these books. I picked them both for shelf subscriptions. For what it is worth, I believe Revival Season is a debut novel as well. Okay, let's get a quick inbound and a quick score because we don't, the time's running down. I'm going to go with Revival Season. It sounds Flannery O'Connor-esque. Oh, I would, yeah, that's absolutely that true. Fair? And you, I will say, of I'm those two books, of those two books, you would prefer All right, um, done. Revival Season. That's a quick, quick score. Okay, Beautiful World, Where Are You by Sally Rooney versus The Fortunate Ones by Ed Tarkington. Beautiful World, Where Are You was written by the author of Conversation with Friends and, oh dear, it's that, <laughs> I can't believe, Normal People. I was like, I can't believe, I can't remember the name. She's written Conversation with Friends, Normal People, and now Beautiful World, Where Are You? Sally Rooney is like in her late 20s and is an absolute genius. She's an Irish author. Normal People is that Hulu TV show that yep. we started to watch together. I adore her books. I adore her writing. I love her characters. They're complicated people. Beautiful World, Where Are You? was written uh, in letter format, kind of an epistolary novel. Mm. And Good word. I read a lot of it to you out loud by the pool <laughs> because mm. it was about these four friends, um, two of whom write letters back and forth to one another. And they're just people in their 20s and 30s trying to make decisions about life and love. Oh, and that is faith. I remember that now. And I read pieces loud to you and, yeah, and you really liked it. I did. Okay, and then The Fortunate Ones by Ed Tarkington was also a book I loved. I picked it as a shelf subscription. Um, this might have been my January, actually, and we run the tides with my February. So The Fortunate Ones is set in Tennessee. Ed Tarkington is from Tennessee, and it's about male friendship, which is something I, you know I'm very interested mm -hmm. in. And so it is about these two young men who meet at boarding school. One is from the haves and one is from the have-nots. And then it watches them as they grow up and grow older, and one of them becomes a politician in Tennessee. It's a lot about politics, which I also really like. Um, lots of kind of standard themes that I really enjoy in both of these books. Um, they're just kind of my sweet spot. I think you ought to write a book about me and my male friends and the wild successes that we've had and some of our misadventures. <laughs> and so, you know, you know who you are. Be careful what you do because Annie's very they interested don't in male friendships. I know they don't. <laughs> Who knows? Some of them are very supportive. They don't listen to this. They're um, very supportive, but I'm, they do not listen to this. I'm going to go with Beautiful World, Where Are You? Because for you to vet something and then say it out loud to me, you, that, it's means, true. that means I you own, vetted it. You, yeah. you hate saying something that you think I'm not going to like or that is not properly vetted or that's going to sound dumb. And every time you recommend a book to me, uh, it ends up being fantastic. Every time you quote a book, it, it is fantastic. So I'm going to go with that. I only read aloud things yeah. that I think are valuable. You vet them. Okay, next up, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. This is by Laura Tremaine versus What Kind of Woman by Kate Baer. So Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First is part memoir, part part nonfiction, mind, body, spirit, I think is where it would be shelved. Um, but basically, it is a series of essays where Laura, the author, kind of offers up a story from her life. And then her whole encouragement and her whole premise is that when you share your stuff, it's easier for people to share their stuff. Mm. And so it's it's her opening the door for conversations to for you to then have with the people in your life who you love and who you trust. 
And also for you to have in a safe space, like in a journal or in a therapist's office or whatever. So it's really these kind of prompts that then she graciously writes about first. And then she encourages you to write or have conversations around as well. I thought the format was really creative. And I actually loved this book. That is great. And I... You know, I do follow Laura on Instagram. I was able to interview her for From the Front Porch. I'm pretty sure that we did a podcast episode last year. Um, So there's probably some biases there, but I would not keep recommending the book if I did not like it. And I really did like it. Um, It was the book that we gave out as part of Valentine's Day last year. And um, I just think book clubs and friend groups could really... Mm. I mean, this is to me, this is a really valuable tool. Gotcha. And, and also really generous of Laura Tremaine to share her story yeah. so openly. So yeah. I love that book. It's risky. It is risky. Um, then What Kind of Woman? We've kind of talked about already. This was Kate Bear's debut poetry collection. I adore this book. I still flip through it on occasion. It is just gorgeous, but what I would call accessible poetry. I think um, I think some people have called her like Instagram's poet, and I find that a little derogatory, honestly, um, because I think she's extremely talented just because she's accessible doesn't mean we right. have to call her the Instagram poet. Right. But that's probably just me hang- getting hung up on terms. Um, but I I love this collection. I gave it to a few people as Christmas gifts. Um, it's another very giftable book. Because, so both books you gave out. Yes, because yeah. What Kind of Woman is really addresses all the different stages of a woman's life. Like Mm. that's kind of, she sets it up um, in sections and each is um, a different stage of a woman's life. I I just really loved this book. I think this one would go into overtime. Yeah, I also think you've already kind of given a little hint that you're going to go with what kind of woman because, you know, That's true, we did, we did say. So overtime, you know, what kind of woman? Okay, so now... Who do we have? Okay, so— This will go faster now. Yep, we're down to the Elite Eight. Okay. So the first match in the Elite Eight to for a seat at the table for the Final Four is Brood versus These Precious Days. Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is what happens in the tournament. Um, You're like, oh, no, it's all the Blue Bloods. You know what? I adore Ann Patchett, and I loved that collection, and I honestly don't know anybody who didn't. But I'm going to pick Brood because yeah. I like to champion unsung books, Boom. and I think that's one that didn't get enough praise. So this is like the Loyola Chicago yeah. of the Final Four. Sister Jean. Sister Jean. She's still alive. I know. Did you know that? I okay. Googled it. I know you're worried every year that I she's going to die. <laughs> I Googled um, it. She's been granted long life to watch her team and pray for them. Okay. The next one is The Hill We Climb versus Paper Palace. Oof, that's tough because those are two wildly different books. Yep. There's like an offensive team versus like a really slow yeah. defensive team. Um, gosh. Should I pick the like typical fiction fair? Like that is a typical Annie book, The Paper Palaces. Right. Or should I pick the book that represented the year? I think represented the year. Right. I think that's kind of like the surprise. Hill We Climb. And yeah. I think that'd be a surprise win. Yeah. All right, so we've got that'll be that's gonna be an interesting final four matchup. Okay, um, on the other side of the bracket, going trying to get to the final four, Finlay Donovan and Revival Season. Ooh, wow, those are also two very wildly different books because one of those books spoke to me a lot about faith and feminism and the hardships I think women face in church environments, religious environments. 
um, especially young women. I found it particularly heartbreaking. But then Finlay Donovan was probably the most fun I had reading yeah. last year. So Finlay Donovan comes out onto the court. They're loose. They're laying Yeah, they're having out. a good time. They're dancing. Yeah. They're, they're, they can't dance, but they are dancing nonetheless. Yeah. And I think that loose attitude catapults Especially them in the, in the tournament. Four. Yeah. Agreed. That's what you need. You need to not you Sometimes know, not discipline care. doesn't win. That's right. That's right. But sometimes it does. Guys. That's right. But on this one, the less uptight team advances to the final. Be four. Ringo. Be Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag. Be Finley. Hashtag Ringo. <laughs> All right. Beautiful world, where are you? Versus what kind of woman? A beautiful world, where are you? All right. That's interesting because I think Sally Rooney and Kate Bear could be friends in real life. That's that would be another way to do this. All right. Um, okay. We have four. Okay. In the final four. In the final four are we have Brood which I feel like is a relatively higher seed or better team seed. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the Hill We Climb. So it's Brood versus Hill We Climb. Wait, who are the other two? The other two are Finlay Donovan versus uh, Beautiful World. Where are you? Okay. So, but, but we're talking about Brood, Brood and right. Hill We Climb head to head. Okay. They're going to get out on the court together. Okay. The Brood of Chicken's running around. Well, like, I just, I really would like your opinion here. Like, do you think the debut fiction, like, deeper than it first appears, little compact story, do you think that proceeds? Or do you think this poem and poetry collection written by this, like, 19-year-old genius, do you think that moves forward? The former. Because sometimes in March Madness, the young team can mm. get there. But then what does it take to win? Right. Some experience. Yeah, experience. So brood. All right. So brood moves forward. And and everybody's going to say the hill we climb overachieved. It made the final four. No shame. Right. No shame in losing. No, they point. went out at the perfect right? place. Yeah. It's great. Okay. That's what happened with Loyal Chicago. Sure. They, they didn't advance past the final four, but everybody said that was miraculous. Okay. Right? The next one is Finlay Donovan versus Beautiful World. Where are you? Okay. Again, I think we just talked about this. Loose, but loose only carries you so far. Being yep, Ringo yep, only carries yep, you so far. You do right. need Paul McCartney. You do need Paul McCartney. So I'm going to go with Beautiful World. Where are you? All right. So in the final, it's been a long, fun ride. It's Brood <laughs> versus Beautiful World. Where are you? So how does this how does game go? Okay. So you've got, on the one hand, you've got a debut. Who's happier to be there? Brood. Okay. Brood's like, we're here. Brood, we Brood can't believe they're there. Can't believe it. Because it's a debut. Yep. Um, it's a book about chickens. Yep. Beautiful World, Where Are You is the third book by an Irish genius. Okay. Like, she's a genius writer. She's young. It's more trying to be the Oscar. Yeah. Is that fair? It takes yeah. some more seriously? I would I would say so, although I think, yeah. I could, I, you, I'll tell you what, the literary world takes her more seriously. There we go. There I we think go. Sally okay. Rooney sometimes wishes they would. not But, like, Got I it. think the literary world has Sally Rooney on a pedestal where she Got probably it. belongs. Yeah, like, it's, it's the blue blood. It's the Kansas for the Kentucky. Yeah, except she's young. That's what's bonkers mm, about it. She's young blue blood. She's in her like late twenties and she's right. churning out these really powerful Got works it. of literature. So I hesitate to say that it would even be like a Duke or something. Like I don't know that that's what mm. Sally Rooney is. But I will say I think Sally Rooney's Beautiful World Where Are You wins out. All right. I really do. There we go. Because Brood is Again, just really happy to be here. Tears are shed, but at the end of the day, it was a win. Oh, they're so glad. It was a win. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the beautiful things about March Madness, for those of you who have never watched, is that it is true there's only one winner, but it's different from other sports in that if you had a Final Four run, 
you get to hang a banner and you get to say that was fantastic. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an Auburn fan. Auburn made it a few years ago, made it to the final four. That's a big deal. You know, just making it to the final four. So those four made it, but beautiful world, where are you clinches the crown? I'm good with that because I also think we talked about the hill we climb being representative of 2021. There are ways in which beautiful world, where are you is a really encapsulating mm. title right. for a 2021 winner. Right. Well, in all the books, danced. That's the other great thing about March Madness. Everyone's happy to be there. Yeah. It's an accomplishment to get there. Yeah. To get on the bracket. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Jordan Jones, thank you. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. I'm glad you were here. Me too. This week, What I'm Reading is brought to you by the 101st Annual Rose Show and Festival here in Thomasville, Georgia. This week, someone came in the shop, a good customer, a good friend and customer from Tallahassee, nearby Tallahassee, Florida, and they came in and told me they had bought a house in Thomasville. And I couldn't believe it. These are lifelong Tallahassians. I was a little bit shocked. And then I thought, that's not shocking at all. Thomasville is a wonderful place to move, particularly if you're a Tallahassee transplant. And we immediately began waxing philosophical and eloquent about how walkable Thomasville is as a city and how you can come downtown, walk downtown to the various festivals and festivities happening and going on. You can walk to local restaurants. Last week, I went to a dance performance right across the park from my house, and then I joined friends at Sweetgrass Dairy all within like a mile (laughs) of my home. And if you can't live in a big city with public transport or, you know, walkability, the next best thing is to live in a small, quaint southern town with walkability. And so it was really special to hear about this Tallahassee customer who's chosen to make her home in Thomasville. This week, I'm reading Beloved by Toni Morrison. Jordan, what are you reading this week? I am reading The Power of Regret by Daniel Pink. Thank you again to our sponsor, the 101st Annual Rose Show and Festival here in Thomasville, Georgia. If you want to come for the weekend and experience the flowers, fun, food, and shopping in beautiful Thomasville, Georgia, plan your visit at thomasvillega.com. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Angie Erickson, Cammie Tidwell, Chantal Carls, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson, Kate Johnston Tucker. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.